Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Iridians? What the fuck, Tuckians? Oh, yeah. God, the list keeps growing. I think that's all for today. I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming on board. Hey, I just wanted to... All right, do I want to do that? Yeah, before I talk about anything else, if you don't have my new CD, why don't you go get it? You can get it on iTunes. It's called This Has to Be Funny. Just a reminder. Just a reminder that I'm selling CDs occasionally. Thinking about putting some new t-shirts together. But let's not talk about merch. I got a great show for you today. I was very excited to be able to talk to Chris Elliott because I've been a fan of his for a long time. I have very uh, distinct memories of watching the first Letterman show, the original Letterman show, the year that it started. Uh, I, I hope my dates are right when I was in college. And just seeing his characters, what a funny fucking guy. And also just the fact that you know he comes from a legacy of show business. Bob and Ray, his father, uh, was Bob Elliott. And, you know, it's 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 just very interesting to me to be able to talk to him about what that meant to him, what the you know, what is how it impacted his career, you know, how you know, how it impacted his comedy, because I'm sort of fascinated with people that grow up in show business. But we'll talk to him in just a second. But I'm not unathletic. I'm not I'm not incapable. The problem is, is that I'm too obsessive and too panicked. To, to do things to do things the right way to have the patience to do it I, I'm pretty good for a half an hour like for instance I just bowled against Chris Hardwick I bowled 146 never bowled 146 before because I'm not a bowler but I am able to do shit if I focus and I think just the fact that Hardwick was there and that he's like a professional bowler it I, I knew I couldn't beat him but I wasn't gonna look like a fucking pussy so I bowled a 146 that's that's something. It's not it's not relevant it's not important but i did that just to point out that i can focus my obsessions if necessary but sometimes they bite me in the ass i don't know if this has happened to you i was laying in bed no it's not that's a lie i wasn't in bed i was gonna leave town for a few days i went to colorado and every time i leave town that's when i start to think well what could go wrong while I'm away. Let's nip that in the bud. So I decided I better check the roof to see if there are pine needles up there because I only got one rain gutter. And if that gets clogged up, there's a real good chance water will build up and start pouring through the roof and out of the cabinets of my house. And I don't like, I don't know about you, but even if I'm not home, I don't want someone to open a cabinet and have a wave of water come out. It happened once and I'm panicked about it. Haven't been up on the roof lately. Not since I put the ac thing up there so now it's 8 30 at night the night before i'm supposed to leave and i'm sitting there packing i'm like fuck i gotta check the roof so i go i get outside you know jessica's in the house she's packing i get the big old ladder i might my roof is about it's probably about 30 feet you know because of the side of my house does that seem unreasonable let's say 25 feet is that a lot i don't know it's up there it's high because of the way the side of the house is designed so I'm just going to put the ladder up there, climb up. I've done this before. Climb up over the roof, check out the gutter, make sure it's okay, throw out some pine needles. So I 
climb up that ladder. It's at night. It's an aluminum ladder, but it's sturdy. I climb up. I climb over. I'm on the roof. I'm like, cool. Rain gutter looks okay. I'll move this shit. Fine. Then when you're going back down, that's where it gets a little weird because I got to throw my leg over the edge of the roof and I realize I'm pretty high up here. I get both of my feet on the ladder and I had this thought. I thought, what kind of idiot falls off a fucking ladder? I mean, what kind of, I mean, it's pretty clear. You got your balance. The ladder's set up right. Should not be a problem. That is a thought I had as I took two steps down the ladder. And then I don't know what happened, but I didn't fall backwards, but the ladder started to move sideways on its own. Just started to move sideways. And there's that moment. It's a decisive moment. It's a decisive moment because you know exactly what is happening. It's the same moment that you have when you're about to hit another car. It's a decisive moment only in that you have to decide how, if possible, you're going to get into an accident. It's good. It's, it's better than being surprised by an accident. Maybe not. Maybe you're more relaxed then. But this ladder started moving to the right and I realized this isn't going to stop. I'm still 15, 20 feet up and it's moving. And then you're like, this isn't moving. It's not just moving. The ladder is falling. There, that You are falling off a ladder now. That's what's happening. And then it just turns into slow motion. I felt the ladder go. It kept going. I grabbed hold of the rain gutter that's on the side of my house as if that's going to help me. And the ladder just goes, falls down to the side. I'm now, you know, facing up in a free fall, pulling down a rain gutter on top of me. I hear the ladder clank down. Then I hear the, then I hear me hit the ground. Boom. Then the rain gutter hits on top of me and I'm laying there and I have not had that feeling in a long time. That, that feeling where you're like a mortal, I just fell off my bike. I'm about to cry. I think I hurt myself. Those kind of happen in sequence. But the first the first thing that happens is like, all right, I can still feel my arms and legs and I need to lay here for a minute. And then I'm like, shit, that was bad. I wonder if anything's broken because that's going to piss her off because we have to travel tomorrow. That was my thought. Like, I don't want to piss her off and, and ruin this trip by breaking something or ending up in a wheelchair. And then like, I just laid there and I'm like, okay, felt my foot. I'm like, I hurt, but I don't think anything's broken. And then uh, I noticed that I scraped myself up and I got up and I was, I was okay. But you know, that, you know, that moment where a kid falls down and you know, he gets up and he knows he's okay. But if someone's around who saw it, he's going to start crying. But if no one was there, he probably would have just walked it off. Well, I didn't do that. What I did was I got up and I was a little shocked at myself. And what I should have done was just shut the fuck up, put the ladder away and never mention it. What I chose to do because I'm a five-year-old is run into the house and go, I fell off the ladder. I fell off the ladder. And she's like, what, what? Jessica says, what? And I'm like, I fell off the ladder. She's like, what are you talking about? And I walked her outside and I showed her the rain gutter and I showed her the ladder and I looked at her like, no, I'm, I'm, and I, I don't know what the point of it was other than to get her upset because she started you know, getting overwhelmed with emotion at the thought that she would have walked out there, you know, outside and found me you know, laying in a pool of blood or unable to walk. What did we learn here? A couple of things. 
Uh, don't go up a ladder yourself. Uh, if you do and you fall down like an idiot and you don't hurt yourself, just keep it to yourself. You know, don't don't run in like a five-year-old and cry. Just keep it to yourself. That's a secret. That's that's one of those. It's not a white lie because, you know, she didn't know what happened. If a guy falls off a ladder on the side of his house at 830 at night because he was obsessively worrying about whether or not there were pine needles in the rain gutter and no one was there to see or hear him fall. Did it happen? Nope. That's just between you and you. All right. I'm going to call Jim Gaffigan. Uh, He's got this special out. Came out, uh, came out yesterday, and um, I want to talk to him about it. He did uh, the same thing Louie did. It's available online at jimgaffigan.com, but I told him I'd call, and uh, and and uh, just uh, you know talk to him a bit about it, because this is exciting, man. Comics are, are taking complete ownership of their shit, and it's a beautiful thing. So let's, let's give Jim a call. Hello? Jim. Yeah. Mark Marin. Oh, hey, Mark. How are you? What's up, buddy? I wanted to talk to you about uh, about the special. Oh, sure. That would be great. I'd appreciate it. You've jumped in, and now you're going to you know sell your special online exclusively. And this is a whole new what? What is it, 90 minutes, an hour and 15? What is it? It's an uh, hour and 15, 75 minutes. And, um, and it's nothing that anyone has heard before from you. No, well, if you've been to live shows, you've seen it. Well, I, but I mean, I yeah. most people have not seen it. So, so how does this work? How do people get? When is it up? Is it up today? Today being Thursday. Yes, it is up. It's been up for a day, and um, it's an interesting thing. You know, it's it's you know, I'm I'm going off of Louis Lead. You know, I was looking at completely different ideas. I wanted to do something where I had. My idea was that uh, an advertiser like Microsoft would make you watch a commercial for a minute, and then people would be able to download it right. for free. And right. so Microsoft would give me, you know, uh, you know, it would just be like this key thing. But of course, Microsoft was like, "Who, who are you?" You know, it's, they're like, "What? No, that's great. I don't know who you are, though." So then, while I was doing that, and talking to the usual suspects. Louis did this thing and and look, it's 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 Louis. You know, Louis he figured it out. It's like he was like, all right, it's like you you make it really a really low price and you make it really easy to buy. And um, you know, and I and I struggled. Jeannie and I were like thinking of ideas, how can we do this different? It's like I'm obviously not gonna charge more than five dollars. Right. And I was like, "All right, I'll make it. I'll make it four dollars." And then I was like, "Well, that's you know, there's nothing unique about that." Right. And then I was like, "All right, I'll you know, every dollar from every uh, one dollar from every purchase will go to a charity." You know, obviously Louis gave money away, but it was like built in. And then you know, Louis even said he goes, "You know, the irony is, is you could end up giving away more money than I did, which is a very nice thing to say." But let me understand. So you and Louis are competing. For the amount of money you give away to a charity, no. <laughs> this is de- this like, is basically just a competition. It into a deposition. So Did they- you not say that Louis C.K. and you are in a competition? No, I. I, what, I no, no. What that. what I'm trying to to show you is that this is you know ultimately your special is a a competition with Louis to see who the better person is. Well, 
well, first of all, let's let me <laughs> let me be very clear. Let me be very clear. Um, Louis Louis did something that uh, Louis is the comedian of today. There's just and it's 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 undeniable. And uh, early on, I did I realized that I was not going to sell as many as Louis. Because Jim, Jim, I, I'm excited about your special, and I want you to get excited about it. I am. I think I think that Gaffigan fans around the world. I think you and Louis are different comedians. You're both very uh, popular and big comedians. You have you have different audiences, but you share some of the same audience. You're professional. People love you. You sell out uh, theaters all around the country, and uh, you bring entertainment to people of all ages. And I just think you're going to have to live with that. And I, and I think, like, not only am I excited about this special, but my listeners will be excited. And that's why I'm talking to you right now, because I want people to go buy it. So why don't you tell me where they can get that before you disregard the entire project? You know what? You are such a dick, but JimGaffigan.com. How am I being a dick? I, I'm, I'm listening to you speak honestly about about your special, but you're being a little self-demeaning, and, and I think that you're a great comic, but uh, but that's um, great. So it's at jimgaffigan.com, and it's how much did you decide on for the money? Well, I'm, I'm giving a, it's $5, okay. and, and uh, from every purchase, a dollar goes to the Bob Woodruff Fund that helps uh, veterans and their families. Well, that's fucking because, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm excited because I think that I figured out um, off of Louis Lee that, you know, to take the commerce out of the purchase. It's like, it's a low price, you know, uh, there's, this is not about greed, a dollar of it's going there, I'll make my money back, maybe I'll make a little money, but like, this is not um, some elaborate plan to um, get a giant pile of money. This is, you know, going off of Louis lead. Yeah, but but ultimately, it, what it does do is it gives you a lot of creative control. It gives you the experience of uh, of producing your own special, of making your own choices, of doing it exactly the way you want to. So I think you know, outside of you know whether it's to make a pile of money or not, that or whether or not it's to to give a bundle of money to charity, which is wonderful. It's just that it, it's 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 a new. Uh, way of presenting the artist's work that the artist has complete control over, and I think that's very exciting. Yeah, no, it is really exciting, and it's it's also one of those things where, um, you know, you know when you're you go on stage when you haven't been on stage for a while, and there's that fear, but it's the fear that you love. Yeah, because that's what I've been feeling for two weeks. It's like. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I'm confident some people will buy it, but you know, I have no idea. In the end, comedians, I think there's um, this thrill seeker kind of risk taker. You know, there's nothing normal about going on stage and making strangers laugh. It's very familiar. It, it's a it's a very um, it's a fun thing. It's a fun. Uh, it's a scary high. No, absolutely, and I and I think that like. What is amazing about what you're doing and what Louie did, and I think Aziz did it as well, is that it, it really is a movement towards complete creative freedom uh, with what we do, which I, I think is fairly unheard of. And in in I'm I'm happy it's happening. I'm waiting for somebody to spoil the party. I'm waiting for somebody to say that they own the internet, but uh, but 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 that hasn't happened yet. And and in terms of how long did it take you to put together the material? 
well, Jeannie and I, we wrote it for two years. I mean, you know, it's, this is, this is definitely, you know, harvesting the crops of two years. Well, that's, but, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's an incredible bargain for, for $5. See, that's the amazing thing is that you offer something at a good value in a unique way, but it, you know, you worked fucking hard and, and I'm sure it's great. Oh, well, thanks. Buddy. So, okay. So they just go to jimgaffigan.com yeah. and you can get it there. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think, you know, when I bought it, it was, I think it was like three clicks, you know, it's like click here, type in, you know, I typed in my Amazon and you know, there it was. All right. Well, well, well. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna obviously play this on the podcast and uh, and send some people your way. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Do you feel good about everything that's happened here on the phone? I feel great about it, and I actually, since Grand Rapids, yeah, I've been kind of sitting there thinking of what is what this phone call is going to be like. <laughs> I'm like, am I? How crazy is crazy Mark Marin going to be? Is he going to? confront me on my laziness <laughs> no. or my sloppiness or is he going to be kind of you know the the champion of comedians or is he going to be the older brother i've known for 15 years where we can bond on our anger and what what, so what, was, what was i i think i think it was the older brothers that uh you know it was two crazy old men talking yeah, but 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 I'm also I'm 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 thrilled for you, and I and I hope that uh, I hope you uh, you do well with this thing, Jim. I I'm not I, I harbor no contempt towards you, and and whatever happened in Grand Rapids, whatever misscheduling uh, that you uh, that that happened, and and you had to cancel at the last minute, uh, that that uh, that anger is all gone. I I let that go because I know you're busy, and and uh, and I and I know that. Uh, that it was not uh, an intentional thing, and and I I have, I have absolutely no malice uh, towards you whatsoever, and I and I have a great deal of respect for you, and I like you. Well, thank you. And I think you're funny. Thanks so much. Hey, that's that's the only one that matters, right? And, and I never say anything bad about you ever. Thank you, thank you. Except you know, for- the, the the thing that's so great about podcasts is like comedians are just sitting there talking, and in a way, you know, comedians just end up being the Kardashians. Of- podcast it's like people are listening just going these lunatics i don't know if that's true Uh, i mean now okay so now you're taking a shot at what i'm doing for a living listen jim i i I think (laughs) you snuck one in on your older brother and you think you didn't notice i get it how's the kids they're they're multiplying as we speak you have more Uh, no they're great how many you have four? four and uh you know it's it's great. It really is great. I mean, it is uh, exhausting, and it's um, it would sound like every cliche you've ever heard, but it's 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 I I would have it no other way. Are you calling it quits? Yeah. So is this it? You done? Uh, I would say there's. Uh, it's. Uh, I would. I would not bet on done. Wow. That's, yeah. that's that's nuts, and you don't even have to do that now, and it's not even part of your religion. You're just some you're addicted to children. I think you should maybe go to a meeting for that. No, it's it's funny. You know how like there's something about um, when you go on stage and you say something, and there's a little bit of a shock. It's not it's not just you know saying something irreverent or right. taboo. It's about you say something, and you see a twinkle in someone's eye. Yeah, that um, you know. There's almost something kind of fun about it. That's not the reason why I'm not doing it, but there's almost kind of like, I, I, I love kind of a panicked, concerned look when, when people find out I have four kids. It's almost kind of, 
you know, we all love to surprise a little bit, right? And it's, I mean, I love it. It's. Uh, I, well, I thought you were going to go a different direction with that. I thought you were going to say that, that that moment where you say something on stage and you see that sparkle in somebody's eye, that you can get that all the time with children. And that's why I have to keep having them, because once they get older than 12, that goes away. No, no, it's, you know, my, my, old, my oldest is seven, and, um, you know, there is something about uh, something so terrifying and overwhelming about children that, um, you know, you just walk around just, you know, uh, in love, happy, and defeated at the same time, and grateful. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, in love, I'm, happy, defeated, and grateful. I, yeah. I, is, that the you new, know, that's, is that the name of the special? Because that should be. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. All right, man. Well, I, I wish you the best of luck with it, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. You bet, Jim. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, so you can pull that thing into your face. It should just turn around and move. Hello. Chris yep. Elliott, <clears throat> I, I'm glad you're here. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Mark. Uh, what uh, you know, you're not living here. You just came out. No, I wouldn't live here. Are yeah. you crazy? <laughs> no, no. I, I think it's good for you. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> I had nowhere else to go. Well, no, I know you got kind of run out of New York. And, I did. Uh, <laughs> I got ran out of the things I invented, and actual things ran me away from New York. <laughs> you live in? You don't live in New York, though. You live in like Connecticut. I grew up in New York. I live in Connecticut now. I live like See, two hours out of the city. That's why I wanted to ask you, like, because um, I'm sort of obsessed with um, old comedy, and I know your dad is an old comedian mm -hmm. or was an old comedian is he still with he's us? still with us he just turned 89 is actually. he still funny he's funnier than ever at 89 <laughs> is it, it is really amazing that he is so funny at, and at 89 he still can do these looks and these takes and and say things that just floor you and his his brain's good his brain's great it's great that's he's awesome still doing crossword puzzles and all that i mean like anybody at 89 things are physically slowing down a little bit but he's uh you know he can still watch you know jeopardy and know all the answers and he, what's amazing about him, uh, I gave him for for his birthday a, an old uh, stand up radio and um, that that works and yeah. uh, and also plays CDs. Yeah. And and he put in you know he has all this music because he started as a DJ in Boston uh, playing. Basically, what year would that be? Oh like God, a, in the forties, you know, early forties, you know, playing big band music. So he was familiar with that radio because that's what he came out of. That's what he came out of, and yeah. he can listen to the first note of any tune and say, "Oh, that's uh, Harry James." And, the big band. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, anything, anything from that era. Wow, um, and mo you know Bing Crosby, who he, you know, do you do brain idolized. exercises? I'm doing one right now. Yeah, I know, but do you do like? <laughs> Can't you see him moving? Yeah, like, it's flexing right now. But like crosswords and stuff, I, I'm starting. To I worry. don't. I really. How's don't. your memory holding yeah, up? It's terrible. Is and, it? Yeah, and I don't. And I don't know. I that part of my dad's talent, I did not inherit he's also he was always great at building things and and i could do that with him i could do the physical side of it but you know he could figure out the math about how long a board has to be and and all that and i i just could never do that well when when are your what are your earliest memories of of him actually doing the funny work um like well, did, did they both hang out at the house and... <laughs> what ray yeah <laughs> well yeah they slept in the same bed i mean they they <laughs> They were a team. They oh, had to right. be together. They had to work on the material at some point. And your so. mom just kind of had a bed well, down they, the hall. Yeah, and and Ray's wife. They 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 slept together in another room. Yeah, they I, all understood how this works. Every think, team does that. 
Uh, Laurel and Hardy, yeah, they all Abbott and Costello. You got to yeah. sweep together. You got to do it. How are you going to know what's funny? <laughs> right, you know? right. Yeah, if you don't build that exactly. weird dynamic. Uh, actually, I don't think my dad saw Ray much. But I'm trying to think when I was aware of that he was funny. I mean, I was aware around the house that he was funny. But I mean, he, going to the studio. But do... going to the studio, I used to go to the studio. His office the, in the Gray Bar building in New York City, the Bob and Ray oh, yeah. office, was, was great. It was just this huge you know, rambling office. He had his accountant there. He had his uh, editor there. He had an engineer there. And they had a full recording, you know, set up in their office. And back then, that must have been something. It was huge. And reel-to-reels and It was reel-to-reels and then this giant uh, sound effects cart machine. Right, right. These big, you know, uh, I guess eight-track. They had a slide in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to push in and then you pushed a button. And he used to, I never went to camp or anything in the summer and he just used to sit me in front of that machine and put headsets on and I, I would just pull out these sound effects and put them in and just hear you know <laughs> and then just play it over and over and <laughs> punch number six <laughs> you know ten yeah. different wolfman howls uh, you know so they didn't have that plugged in they were just sort of like let the kid yeah let him occupy himself no but to this day people are amazed that I can do like you know fight sound effects with my mouth as well as I can and it's because I spent hours just listening to <laughs> you could have been, that could have been your act. Well, it's actually going to be my second career after That's my nice. after I run out of my well, act. Here. Well, you're you're don't tell Michael Winslow because um, <laughs> that's right he, he's been a, a human sound effect machine since the 80s that's right but did, what did you like glean or, or learn about show business at, at that time where like what because i have to assume that somehow it defined your sensibility yeah i mean he was my dad has a very sarcastic sense of humor um and so does my mother and and a cynical view to a degree of show business which actually dave letterman had when I started working for him and has now. Right. So I so it seemed like a perfect fit for me when I worked for Dave. But um, I, I I guess you know my dad's you know just his sort of attitude about things taught me you know that not not to take the shit seriously. You know, not only like that, a, but to, to subtly attack it within its own walls, and, especially yeah, in a <laughs> slightly bitter but all intelligent way, <laughs> which is basically what I've been doing for you know in all different years, forms. Five years. Yeah, yeah, is attacking show business in a bitter and hopefully slightly intelligent way. Well, it deserves it, and and unfortunately, like if 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 that makes money, show business will absorb you anyways. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, oh, it doesn't look, matter. You know, he's, he's making he's us. making fun of us. Yeah. yeah. He's making us money. Yeah. I love this kid. Yeah. No, it's true. Um, I haven't made anybody any money though. Yeah, me neither. That's so. why I'm in my garage. Uh, this is terrific though. It actually is. Uh, you know, it's it's very well appointed. Thank you very it's much. It's a mess. You yeah. look like a hoarder. But, it's a, but, uh, you know, I'm a stacker. I mean, I don't think <laughs> hoard, hoarding doesn't become hoarding till the stacks. You have to climb over stacks to get to other stacks. No, Mark, I, seriously, I think we can, you can do away with, you don't with need the that, mail, do you? With the you listener need, mail stack. I do No, I don't, no, <laughs> I do can, need you that. You part with that. No, no, there might be Scale some. Scale of one to 10. No, 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 there might be something important in there that <laughs> oh, somebody boy. wrote to me See, that I might. We're going to be here all day if you do that. Oh, all right. I'll throw this other thing away. This empty bag that I ate nuts out of, I'll throw it away. I feel for those people in that show because everybody, I guess, does have a little bit of that in them that's why and people I, watch it i know and I, I you know after i look at that you know i look at what my wife saves and i and you know and i start to get on her about it and she says well yeah your closets are kind of full too and and she's right but i just didn't see it you know well, I'm, well, just, I'm living with it we're all fighting if you have that personality you're all fighting that moment where you realize that all of this is just as i get older 
slowly losing its meaning. Right. And if, <laughs> like if, if I were to really take everything out of here that really meant something to me, I would be left with three books. Right. And right. I'd have to live with that that mark. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I can... I, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I, I'm, I, I think I do have this like idea that oh well, someday my house is going to be a museum. Do and you really gonna have? They're going to have like it cordoned off, and they're and people are going to walk through and you know tour it. No, it's just your you wife know, go. going around with a bag. <laughs> now throw that out. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know that we can do with uh, without a lot of our stuff, but you know we have sentimental attachments to a lot of plas- plastic lids. Oh, yeah. oh, that's nice. <laughs> so you're a plastic lid guy. No, this is a, I, I still have the bottom to this. You never need it. <laughs> the, the saddest thing about hoarders is that you never that that show never ends where you feel like oh this guy's going to be okay. No, I ever, know. Ever, I know. At least with uh, with intervention, you know they're going to be in treatment for right, a month. Right. Well, I think they're starting to do follow ups to that hoarder show now, where they go back and they they see how they've done. Because I, I think I saw one of those. Yeah. And it's literally like fifty fifty. It's what you expect. Some of them, you know, are keeping it clean. And Should we feel ones... bad about watching that shit? I don't feel bad about watching that shit. No, no. That's, it's on for me to watch. That's I, that's all I watch. I don't watch any other television. I don't, I don't watch, watch uh, you know, I can't watch like, you know, network television. Not, yeah. not because it still some exists. of it isn't good. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it still exists. But it's also, it's just like I know a lot of people that are working on it. I know I can hear, you know, rewriting lines on sitcoms So it's and that stuff weird mixture of, of resentment and disappointment. Resentment, bitterness, versus, and, versus, and also just like not wanting to be at work. Right, you know, right. Versus you know. like, oh, I'm glad I'm not that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what people, you know, say when they watch me whenever I do anything. <laughs> that so. is not true. Well, Tremendous should. amount of respect in the industry yeah. from yeah. those of us who are bitter and, uh, <laughs> and disappointed as well. You're well you've spokesman. done great. What do, you ta- what do you have to be bitter about? You're what living you your talk- life you're an artist you're you're out here you play music you're, you're funny and you you're you're doing terrific yeah well i guess that's true i i think i i mean you're happy you seem really happy i'm happier than i was you're a lot, a lot happier than when i saw you before yeah well that was probably very early in the morning <laughs> and, yeah it and, was and, and and i was f- filled with anger about many things right yeah, no right. i'm definitely happier than that right so what when did you uh how did you get to letterman i mean what were the first jobs that you uh, had. I, I was a runner. I was hired as a, as a runner. Yeah, how old were you? Like 20? Uh, 21. So 21. right out of college? I didn't go to college. You didn't? Which I know is impossible to tell when you're talking to me. No, but, you're, wearing, uh, you're wearing college-oriented I'm glasses. Wearing, yes, the glasses. Brooks, Brooks Brothers glasses. Yeah, that'll... Progressives. That, see that? Oh, you got the progressives, um, too. Yeah, and what a line of shit they are, aren't they? They're a line of shit, except I like them... Um, I don't I I don't think I could do with just bifocals. I think I would be, and also my eyes are completely different too. Yeah. They're one is way more fucked up than the other one and uh um Do you ever get blurry vision? Well, yeah, but I cause that. <laughs> It's not really, I, I'm not really sure. something that just sneaks up on me. I pretty much know when I'm going to have it. Today I'm having a problem with my right eye, and I'm just trying to stay away from uh, Googling brain cancer. Oh, Jesus. That, that's the, the goal oh of my, my day today. Yeah, do it after I leave. Don't, you? No, let's do I'm, it now, I'm, Chris. I'm, no, I really no, I, want, I want you to walk want me to through this. You. Please hold me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, all the symptoms mean I have it. I don't even need to go to the doctor. Uh, I'll just go to tell him I have it. You're going to be fine. Oh, that's a nice thing to say. That's that so, all I can muster up for you. <laughs> you didn't go. You didn't go to college. You didn't want to. No, I hated school. I didn't want to go to college. Your dad was all right with that. Yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> I was the last of money? last of five kids. <laughs> he didn't want any of us to. Actually, I think uh, 
one one of our uh, my sister my second second oldest sister graduated, but the rest of us, you know, I didn't even try. I didn't. Even, everybody else, I think, went for a semester and then said three out of five it. went for a semester and then yeah. fucked off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What what did they end up doing? Uh, they're all doing great. You're all, uh, you know, my two of my sisters are illustrators. One's a yoga teacher, and uh, you know, my brother's had a long career in in uh, you know retail. Uh, sales and so forth. The so, yoga uh, teacher went through some shit, though, right? Um, she went through a number of different jobs. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yoga but, teacher is always a, a nice. It's almost a spiritual ending to a to a personal search <laughs> of some kind. It's like I'm working and I feel great. Yeah, I think one of the oddest jobs Shannon had was like working as a. Uh, um, and it wasn't at a. It was like an, an egg farm or something. Her job was just to collect eggs. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of meditative. Um, yeah. Healthy and, eggs. And she went from like, there to. Uh, were they happy chickens? Was it a happy I, chicken? I think place? they were. I think it was. A, is she a happy uh, chicken person? She I is think a happy that, chicken, and that's what you know, led her to yoga. Sure. Happy I've never chicken. done yoga. She's once obviously she'd like me to, and or everybody else to. But, well, I uh, think uh, you should definitely tape that. I don't see any reason why so you should tape me doing yoga. Sure, someone should yeah. have a camera in there for your, <laughs> for your first yoga experience, and I think you'll be a YouTube phenomenon. Oh my god! Especially if you do some of those sound effects. I'm during so scared yoga. of that. I'm scared of stuff that people took footage of me, like you know, that may you know pop up somewhere. I was like talking. What? I, well, I was talking to somebody the other day. I used to do. Uh, Summerstock Theater when I was a kid, believe it or not. I, when I was in my teens, I went and I was like apprentice these Summerstock Theaters. And I went down to this one place in uh, uh, the Outer Banks down in North Carolina, the Lost Colony, this outdoor drama. And they had an intern program where you could put on plays after, after the main show right. at night. And we did Equus. Oh, my God. And I was the lead in Equus. It, uh, how old? I was, I think, 17, So you're 16. playing the kid. I was the kid. Thank and, God you uh, weren't playing the doctor. No, no. And But the kid gets naked. Mm-hmm. But this was kind of a conservative town we were in, and yeah. they didn't allow that. So I was in, like, underpants. <laughs> and and the girl was in underpants. And, so, and tidy whities not even, like, <laughs> boxers. And, and it was outdoors, so I assume they were scared that people were, you know, if we were naked, there'd be right. people. Other 17-year-olds might see you naked. Other 17-year-olds, yeah. Right. Or, or you know, elderly people which would be worse <laughs> but they uh apparently uh there uh, there had to be photos of that somebody had to have taken that and i'm just so scared one day i'm just going to see these pictures oh, of my it's my, better it's not a video yeah well back then 76 i don't know no no it yeah. was very you know very uh yeah that was know, a large. big bulky thing. yeah yeah, yeah, so yeah. You, nothing you could do subtly right <laughs> who's the guy in the front with the equipment the size of a car <laughs> That's something called a Betamax. It's the yeah, first one. That was actually, yeah. No, I, uh, oh, I thought you were talking about me and my underwear. No, no, I have uh, no idea what you look like then. Yeah. Were you heavy? Uh, my equipment? Or, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, my equipment, equipment <laughs> lost a little weight, but. Uh, <laughs> really, usually that, uh, that that tends to gain a little yeah, weight as you get no, older. No, no, it works Not with out. you? It was really, it's, it does yoga. <laughs> Just the equipment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You just you kind of you uh-huh. act as a yoga instructor. Uh-huh. I, I don't. I, I, you know, I just know when it's happening and I don't pay attention. <laughs> Let it do its own yeah, thing. It's like okay, this is going to be an hour. <laughs> just have to sit down and <laughs> yeah. not go outside. All right. So, all right. So, how old were you when you went to Letterman? I was uh, twenty-one when I got that job, and uh, uh, he was using me sort of right away. He was, and I was a runner, but he he uh, he put me on 
television, I think, like the first show I was on, and uh, like, his first show. Yeah, the first uh, right when episode. he got right when he got the evening. Yeah, he, he did like a tour of the studio, uh-huh. and he went into the control room, and there was like an Oktoberfest going on in the control room. Right, I was in Lederhosen and drinking a big beer, and and uh, he I, he took a shining to me, a shine to me, you know, early on, and and like like me, I was goofy looking and silly, and and did he know uh, your dad? And he was a fan of my dad's for yeah. sure. Um, and uh, did he uh, talk to you about that? Yeah. Well, I did meet him before I went to Letterman. It's a story I've told, but it is true. He came. I was a tour guide at Rockefeller Center, and he came up to the observation deck. Uh, and I, I, you know, he, I started just blabbing about who my dad was, right. you know, to him mm-hmm. um, right away. And it's funny because he said to me, "Well, you know, it's interesting because we've always, whenever I've subbed for Johnny, I, I always want to try to get Bob and Ray on." And for some reason, I, I just said to him, "Yeah, well, my dad doesn't do the Tonight Show unless Johnny's hosting." Sorry, mm-hmm. and I, and he just kind of like brushed that off. But uh, apparently, he remembered me when I went and uh, got so, got hired. What well, your memories of him though? Like he's become sort of odd. In terms of like what gets out and what gets in over there, like you know, most people I know who who I talk to who work on the show currently, they're like, oh no, he's you know, he's over there. Mm-hmm. Like like he seems almost in- inaccessible. But I, I think that's probably inevitable with that kind of success and that amount of time with that kind of show and the turnover. I mean, people do go there and then leave on their own for you know, for their own reasons. But I mean, you know? initially when the show was first starting, I mean, how engaged was he with the creative process and with the writers and and, and... he was engaged. It was a smaller group of people, so it was hard for him to avoid you know uh, being engaged. Right, and and uh, there was. You know, we were in small offices up on the 14th floor. You were up there. Yeah. You remember that? And, and uh, um, you know, I, I do remember him taking me out to to breakfast uh, once. And, and it was, I, I felt like an idiot because he asked me. It was like the second week I was there. And he said he was staying at a hotel, him and Meryl Marco, right. that was near where I, I was still living with my parents. Right. And he said, you In know, the city? Yeah. And he was saying, you want to go to this coffee shop for breakfast? And I thought he was busting on me. And I was right. like, oh, yeah, sure. Okay, I'll be there. What time? <laughs> 8.30. All right. Yeah. And then he walked out that day, and I was manning the, the desks in, at the front. And uh, he said, so we're going to show you tomorrow, right? And, and I was like, yes, sure. <laughs> And, and that morning I woke up and I was thinking, well, I don't know. <laughs> and I went to the coffee shop yeah. and he wasn't there. Right. And I, and I went, eh, I'm just such a moron. I, you know, and I sat down and then, you know, I, I looked up and there was David Merrill and they walked in and sat down and, and he, he was really, he, he brought me into that fold pretty, you know, comfortably. He really liked me. I guess. How long were you like uh, that, just that, that guy before you became sort of a writer and performer on it regularly? I, well, I'm all, I think I'm still that guy though. <laughs> you know, even though I was a writer, I was, you know, I, I wrote stuff for him, but I, in general, I was yeah. always writing for myself and always trying to figure out what could I do on the show next? Because once I got a laugh that I sort of wrote, it was suddenly like, oh, that's kind of, you know, cooler to me than hearing somebody else do it and right. get a laugh. So you just tried to get yourself into as many character sketches as possible? Yeah, or my own. I mean, he was giving me my own spotlight every week. He was right. letting me come out and do my own thing. He was calling me Chris Elliott. He was saying, and now another visit from Chris Elliott, or here's another running character like from 10, our, right. our, our friend Chris Elliott. But the whole act with me was that I'm this sort of slightly deranged staff member who's, you know, is desperate to be famous and has absolutely no talent. Disgruntled. And, and is disgruntled and, and bitter about right. his fame. I remember. And, and, but there is, you know, 
there was a little truth to that. I certainly, I think I had talent, but I was certainly inexperienced. I had right. no idea what I was doing. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it fit perfectly. I remember me. the guy in the floor the best. Yeah, yeah. The guy in the seats was, <laughs> was that's that's going back. But but, uh, th- but that attitude, like just sort of like that fuck it all kind of yeah. you know, disposition was so fucking funny. <laughs> well, he liked that. Dave liked he laughed it. at it. Yeah. Like, and I, I was kind of that way with him up in the office sometimes. You know, he'd just try to joke with me and I just say, oh, I guess that's funny. You know, and, and he's, you know, it, nobody else was doing that. With was him. there an awareness though that you guys were like hot rodding that that style of late night show? That was there a compulsion to to kind of take it to a, a you know a place that's never been? Did you feel that, or were you just kind of having? Fun? I felt that to a degree with uh, the stuff I was doing, and, right? And and I guess to a degree, some of the stuff that I was writing for Dave, you right. know, it was always we always tried to do something big for the sweeps period, like some sort of theme show, which I love doing, you know, like the Christmas with the Letterman show or the. Uh, 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 reverse image show or whatever. You know, we did like these sort of silly theme shows, and that that seemed to be pushing that a little bit. And and the the thing that was so comfortable for me on that show right yeah. away was that it was making fun of show business, even right. though it, it was sort of like a real Fernwood tonight. It was actually right. making fun of what it was, and and that just felt perfect for what I was doing because yeah, I came out and made fun of sort of running characters on other shows. And uh, right, were you aware of like Ernie Krovax and that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, you was know, was he? Of course he was. Yeah, but I mean, and absolutely, and and Steve Allen for sure. Who, right, you know, and he, he had a number of little running characters also yep. on the yep. show. That yeah, you know. and so he, and I, but I was amazed at how much some of that early stuff that I did was sort of like my dad's stuff. You know, they, when he was like really young, and him and Ray used to do stuff on the Ed Sullivan Show, where suddenly my dad's popping up in the audience with a mustache and a <laughs> wig on. You know, <laughs> and it's not like the Bob and Ray stuff that you sort of think of them for doing the sit right. down interview yeah yeah straight yeah. lace button down kind of they humor. Used to do wacky shit they were doing of, wacky wacky do you stuff. remember watching that stuff on tv I, I don't remember seeing it when it was on i did see like after i had started doing stuff i went to the museum of broadcasting for a bob and ray retrospective and suddenly saw all this stuff and i was like well well that's where this is coming from with me yeah obviously yeah Oh, that's, um, a, that's and and the writers at late night that that you know worked with me and but he was so like I remember like I was on board with that stuff like right when it started I was in college I think yeah and his tone and what was going on you really felt like you were watching like you know this is like completely fucking new television and there like, was nothing else like it right around. well also his attitude I mean yeah he, you know his, the edge that he had right. that he brought to interviews it was right. sort of like well we don't care about that right you right know, like he would actually say that to people I, I there's one moment I have. <laughs> In my mind, and I and I'd like to believe it's real because of the way I remember it. But he had some guy on there that wrote a book who had found God. He'd been involved with the mob, right? Right. And he, he and I guess in the book, you know, he had talked, you know, in a vague way about hits he was involved in. Yeah. And uh, he started going on about how you know he was uh, you know he'd found God or that he's a different man now. And Dave was like, "We don't care about that. Tell us about the people you killed." <laughs> so I tell. Him I vaguely about... remember that too. That's it's, it's real. But that's I... he was real and and is. I think. I mean, it's. I always like sort of. Because I would rehearse stuff with Dave, you always knew, and the home audience knew if he was in a bad mood or if he was in a good mood that day. And he never bothered really trying to hide that. It right. was like, but he was professional in the sense that he would go through the show, and it would be just as funny. But there were nights when he was more grumpy than other nights. Right, and uh, um, that's I guess that's why people loved it. Yeah, 
and and uh, and he was just completely honest. But he was so. always like a pretty responsible, or, or he he cared about the craft of broadcasting. It absolutely, seemed. The, absolutely. That's like the difference between like you know when I watch Jay Leno, it's just in this never ending tumbling car, like right. you know just something that's spinning in slow motion. Yeah. But like you know when you watch Dave, everything's like crisp and clean. Right. And he's like he knows how to hold a camera. He delivers yeah. well. Like he's a very proficient and and professional broadcaster and, and he was always that way as soon as he was a late night it was that uh, he was like that he was like he had been the, in that business forever he respected the tradition the, the elders it. in the business right. he respect even though he made fun of you know some of them to but you degree. felt that right yeah no he had he definitely knew where it came from and and how he got there too i mean he had been a weatherman for a long time too, yeah and, but i love that i love like I, when i do watch him i still notice that that there's just such a a refined nature to his 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 uh, technique of yeah. broadcast, and part of it was even like you know the way he was dressed. You know that he was like you know in right. a suit. I think the early we did a couple of shakedown and sneakers shows. though, right? Didn't he wear a suit? Yeah, and he wore wrestling shoes. Right, and, right. And he did you know his early shows. Yeah, he wore a sweater, and uh, I remember Meryl Marco. I think was the one who she's said she's been uh, in here. She he should wear a tie. You know, uh-huh. and 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 she told me that you know he can get away with more if he's you know wearing a tie and a jacket and looks uh, more preppy and straight laced and, and, he and does, she was right, right. do you, you know? still uh, talk to him yeah i mean between you know commercial breaks if i just did the show last week so oh, you I, did yeah, yeah so you know it's what's that it's like just, is it touching i mean um, not, are you touching each other but do you find like there's an emotional component to it or the history that you have yeah i do i mean and i think he does i think there's a slight you know uh uh nostalgic thing here uh-huh. that that goes on when it, when we do we get together i don't he doesn't we don't chat i don't see him you outside don't de- of the show. oh you don't yeah no but did I, you ever outside of i that mean breakfast? it's basically like we were showing a pre-tape and it's like how's your family and right you right, know, right. And, yeah, you know, yeah yeah how's yeah. your family you know and and, and all that's that it. and then but i know just from what he says on air about me whether it's in the intro or after I've done my little bit, you know, that it it means something to him to see me every now and well, then. I think he's gotten, like, he's, to me, since the heart operation, he's gotten visibly more uh, emotional. Well, that, and that would make sense. Sure. For I mean, sure. Uh, yeah, he's definitely You have evolved. to surgically open your heart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some, at least someone did it for you, but it's open now. I remember in the early days of late night, I remember, you know, he would get, uh, you know, guest lists of who's coming up. And I remember uh, one of the guests was Treat Williams. And, yeah. And he said, he crossed him off and, and somebody in the talent department said, why, why Treat Williams? And he said, well, I'm never going to have anybody on my show named Treat. <laughs> But then, but he's evolved and softened, and Tree Williams has been on the show, so thank you know God. he's changed that. Thank, thank God he jumped that <laughs> that quirky hurdle. <laughs> so, what happened right after the uh, Letterman show? Uh, I went to get a life. Now, this much. is a question I got to ask for you because, like, it seems that that show was like way the fuck ahead of its time. Oh, that's nice to hear. I mean, I don't know. I think it was part of a wave of comedy that uh, it was part of. I don't know that it started a wave of comedy or anything like that. I think that it was. Uh, but it seems to me that if that show existed now, you know, given the success of, of other like Arrested Development, Tim and Eric, that there are these precedents set. Arrested for, Development was actually a working title for Get a Life. It was one of my ideas is that for true? a title. Yeah, years ago for forget and then Get a Life came up. I, I had heard uh, Joan Rivers say Get a Life to somebody. I thought, oh. That actually, how many how, how many episodes did you do? I don't know. I think we I have did. No idea. We, uh, well, we did twenty two the first season, maybe and half of that, I guess, the next season. So. And what what happened with it? It just. What... Um, I think it was just one of those things. It was not what Fox wanted initially. They, I think, they f- smelled a bait and switch to a degree. We were doing a show that was really, you know, um, 
not a traditional sitcom. It was right. making fun of itself. It right. was making fun of the genre. Right. And I, I remember being in an early Fox meeting where, you know, they said, you know, we really want the next Cosby show, you right. know. And, and you were and, like, And sure. they were looking at me. Yeah. And I was saying, well, who better? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your man. And uh, Adam Resnick, Dave Merkin, and myself yeah. uh, did this show that, you know, the pilot, it's interesting if you watch the pilot, it's a little bit more uh, mainstream, even though I'm still being an idiot in it. Um and but then once that first episode came out of the gate, which was uh, the um, male model episode, that really sort of just said what the show was going to be, and it was basically a fuck you to, you know, the to world the sitcom. of sitcoms. Yeah, and yeah. but they ran with it for twenty two, right? Yeah, no, or and more. I, you know, it, it did well. It did well ratings wise for them in terms of new shows and all that. I think it just was like one of those things where there was a change in the, and this usually happens in the hierarchy at Fox and the executives and the person coming in. I I have a feeling. I made I, I crossed the wrong person or something and I, uh, yeah who knows yeah but you, you can't put a you can't put your finger on it exactly but my yeah. my suspicion is some guy I remember was pitching like some uh, promo ideas early on for get a life and, right and the ideas were horrendous they were all like <laughs> fast motion like Keystone cops ideas with goofy Benny Hill Benny Hill music in uh-huh. the background and I remember like just making fart noises in the background on the phone and just yeah no that's a great idea <laughs> And uh, making the writers laugh, and this poor guy was tap dancing and trying his hardest to sell me on something. And I think he actually moved into the position uh, at of Fox power of being in charge of the show. That's hilarious, isn't it? I wonder how many careers have been dashed by making writers laugh, <laughs> making fart noises. <laughs> <laughs> just like playing yeah. to the guys that are that requires so much darkness to laugh. I, it's either that or it's that you know. Years ago, I remember when I was a kid, uh, my parents were selling their townhouse, and Roy Cohn came to see it on a Sunday and uh, unannounced and just knocked on the door. The famous lawyer, the very yeah, I know uh, him. The, the brutal, famous the brutal cla- closeted lawyer. gay lawyer, and, and who was McCarthy's, and who, uh, who was notorious for for vendettas and holding grudges yeah. and all that. And uh, he knocked on the door and said, uh, "I want to come in and see your house." And my mother said, "Well." Uh, it's not showing today, and he and he said, "Well, don't you want to sell it?" And I, and my mother, you know, bless her heart, just said, "Never on Sunday," and slammed <laughs> slammed the door in his face. I guess "never on Sunday" it was like kind of a popular phrase right, back then. It was, and uh, I've always had the suspicion that somehow Roy Cohn has fucked up my career ever since then. <laughs> Yeah. And he may have had something to do with Get a Life. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I think his tentacles probably spread out, you know, pretty far. He probably said, "Watch that kid. He's five years old now." But you, you know what's scary about that whole train of thought is that there are certain. You start to realize as you get older is that there is a pretty small crew of people, yeah. in different businesses that actually do know each other and could squash you like a fucking bug. I am amazed to this day, and I'm still putting my foot in my in the in my mouth. I'm amazed at what I say to people that comes back to haunt me like know. what uh well uh, you're gonna hear some shit about oh, yeah. you about, believe um, me really in the yeah. future yeah no i don't know i mean i've just i'm i'm amazed at what you just said how, right, how like, small the community is and right. it's getting smaller i mean everybody i live in connecticut i don't know anybody really anymore but but like my daughters are both in the business and they know everybody they, oh, i know everybody knows everybody right now it's weird, it, it, right? It is weird. But I think I that has to do with technology, though, too. I don't know if the business is getting smaller, but people are more accessible. Yeah, with because, the internet. And- yeah, yeah it's like between Twitter and Facebook and uh, you know, people wanting to be part of that. Older people are like, what yeah. is this Twitter? Right, right. And all of a sudden, Lauren Michaels is like, you know, yeah. he's not on there. Right, right. But uh, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, they, yeah. They feel, I'm not on there. I'm not. I you don't, don't have I don't, to be. Uh, no everybody's telling me I should, you know, and I'm yeah, like, I know, eh, but, but it just that just seems like work to me. It seems like I got to, you know, write jokes in the morning. That's right. You know? and, <laughs> and I don't want to do 
that. And then the risk is that you get addicted to it because then you get like you want to see the feedback. And right. It's all right. very immediate. And then you can end up like me and spend uh, three hours. Right. And, and, and I, I like, you know, I torment over the stuff that I write. You know, oh, my, no. da- my daughter, Bridie, has a really has a popular Twitter account and, and people follow her and she's really funny. And I'm amazed. I watch it and I just like, oh, my God, that's great. How did she come up with that? Right. You know, and then suddenly there's another thing there, right. you know, just stream of thought consciousness stuff but, that she's thought of. Do you think that Get a Life, like, I, I have to assume that because of the, you know, you're, you've been in a lot of movies and you've, you've, you've been, you're very specific comedic talent uh, that's uniquely yours. That I, I have to assume that people have had, have paid you some respect, like younger people that have, have come up. Have you gotten gratitude for that? Have people said Definitely. Like, Definitely. And I mean, I mean, it's at a point now where like this show that I'm doing on uh, Adult Swim, Eagleheart, is written by, you know, three guys, uh, Jason Walliner, um, Michael Komen and Andrew Weinberg, who were all fans of mine and kind of grew up with me. And so we they ha- know your shit. They know my shit and they can write for me perfectly. They ca- they have my voice down. And and it's it's funny to me because I start, you know, dealing with them like, oh, well, we're contemporaries. Like, you know, I'm right. hanging out with them like I was hanging out with the writers back at late night, you know, and then suddenly I realize, oh, wait, these guys are like in their 20s. It's great. You know, I'm 51 here. It's and, great. Uh, but that is, you know, and, and Get a Life had a lot to do with that. They, you know, that's what sort of, that and the stuff at Letterman, I think. Right, because they, you know, they appreciated it. And right. I'm sure when it got taken off they're like they oh, those fuckers don't know anything right, this right. is the best show in the world right yeah and, and eagleheart is basically like uh like a chuck norris uh well yeah. no i mean that's they wrote a pilot that was kind of a chuck norris parody right. of like walker texas ranger but then i got involved with they couldn't find the chuck norris guy and of course you know i, I don't know why they didn't think of me first but uh, I came in to do it, and then when I got involved, they they sort of re- changed it, and the show suddenly became this very surreal, uh, violent action <laughs> comedy that um, the Chuck Norris aspect is just a jumping-off point. Right. I don't even really look like him anymore. Right, right. It's sort of more or less like, yeah, okay, we'll package it just under a vehicle that. vehicle for... Uh, for me, for them to take the, the stories anywhere they want, and for me and... and macabre slapstick. Brett Gelman and, and Maria Theradak, oh, yeah. like total morons in the whole thing. And you start. This is season two now. Yeah, season two starts April twelfth, and right. the the uh, DVDs come out on the third. How long are each episode? Each each episode is fifteen minutes. That's great, right? <laughs> it is really fun, actually. I mean, it's like kind of you know, my dad used to have an old twenty minute show on NBC, you know, and it, it 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 is fun. It's sort of like, and for me, I think it's actually the perfect amount of time for me to be on the air. For anybody right. to sit sit through me, but it's um, almost like an extended. It becomes more of a. Uh, uh, it's tighter and it's more of a sketch sensibility. I would imagine. Yeah, well, I you know, and what I used to do on Letterman, I used to do you know film or tape pieces every now and then that were like five minutes long. So this is not that much longer, and it has it feels just right to me. And yeah. and it seems like Adult Swim it definitely has its a built in audience, and they definitely uh, give, yeah. give uh, creative people a lot more freedom than any other. Oh, you couldn't do this show anywhere else. Ever, there's no right? way. <laughs> there's no place ever. Yeah. And, and are people no... loving it or what? It seems to have quite a following, which is good. It's, uh, I guess it did really well last season, and uh, we're hoping it'll do the same this season. Um, but yeah, Adult Swim, you know, they, they were all, they were fans of mine as well. It, it is, I do sometimes feel like kind of an elder statesman, and I have to, you know, you know, realize that, well, I am old. I'm 51 now. And, you know, it's in this business doing what I do. It, that is. A but little... you've never really stopped. I mean, were there ever times where you're like, oh, I'm fucked? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, Are what you do kidding? I... No, I'm not kidding. Well, right now. No, you're good. This is good. <laughs> No, I meant this gonna... interview. I know what you meant. No, I, right after Cabin Boy, I thought I was fucked. I thought, oh, 
Okay, that's how that happens. What what happened? How was it? I know you probably told that story a million times, but how did that all come together? Well, I mean, it was Tim Burton had seen uh, an episode of Get a Life, specifically the one where I uh, build a submarine and get stuck in my shower with it, right? uh, Home submarine, and uh, he had me and Adam Resnick come in and and. uh, Told us he wanted to do kind of a Pee Wee's Big Adventure for yeah. the '90s, and and we pitched a a uh, Captain's Courageous idea, which I had always wanted to do, kind of a parody of Captain's Courageous. But yeah. Adam and I both knew, well, if Tim Burton's going to direct it, we got to put some right. creatures in it yeah. or something, yeah, right, right. something creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so we said with with like Ray Harryhausen creatures. So yeah. we'll have claymation and stop motion animation. And whatever. So you can have fun too. Yeah. So you yeah, can yeah. play. <laughs> yeah. And he loved it. He loved the script. And then. Uh, the last minute decided he wanted to do Ed Wood instead uh. and and uh, suggested Adam direct it. And, uh, and so he went to do Ed Wood. He did take a number of his creative team in terms of uh, special effects with him so you got hung out to dry by the by the director attached uh, oh when it came out we yeah. i felt like we were totally hung out to dry yeah there, there was no explanation of what it was i vaguely remember commercials and it was sort of like what is that about? well the, yeah well i mean it they did you know it was too wide a release for that kind of film it was a short film and uh a small film really you know when you look at but it, it but has it, to have its fans it has a following yeah i know isn't that amazing it, <laughs> I, I, nobody's more amazed than me no but i, I, I mean, mean that we live in a world where people can find it like you can still get it and it still grows right, and right. it's one of those things where it's like have you seen this and the dude's like no oh dude yeah like you, yeah you're one of those guys but i have to admit i never thought it was a bad movie i always thought oh this is a good movie they're you know flawed for sure but i thought oh well this is a weird funny movie it's it's not what you normally see why did you think it was <clears throat> going to be a career killer a well movie? it was vilified by the press for one thing for the reviews for the most part yeah um and uh literally the phone stopped ringing i mean that was the first time in my career i i think i was so ignorant you know i don't get a life yeah and we were canceled but we were already in production for right. cabin boy so it didn't bother me that right. much um i had done eight years at working for Dave, then I did Get a Life, then I had my own movie. And I think, honestly, I was thinking, well, I'm going to do Boy 2, 3, and 4 after this. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> or or at least something else. Right. I think I was so dumb that I just thought, well, if it doesn't work, they'll still let me do another movie. But right. That ain't, that ain't how it works, apparently. Right. So how, but like in that mo- like how long did the phones not ring, really? I mean, was there uh, a period of like desperation? It it was it was a little frightening. It was a little like oh, no one wants to hear a pitch right now. No one wants to hear this or that. Because um, you had stink on you. Yeah, I mean, a couple of years later, you know, there were already people that were fans of Get a Life were moving into positions. You were reunder. You were reunderstood. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and there were right from the start fans of uh, Cabin Boy. That, right, you know, were were behind me so but, the kids uh, came to the rescue again the fans yeah the fans did and <laughs> saturday night live that was why i we were out in la and that's when i uh when cabin boy opened that's when i uh uh bombed and and i didn't have any work that's that's when i decided to do snl and they were nice enough to offer me that year coincidentally to come and do the show and i, and, uh, I talked so to a lot of snl people here and i i think you have talked about it publicly a bit but i haven't heard it um I, I've not yet been able to find somebody to to give me even a slightly disturbing vision of of Lauren Michaels. I, I find <laughs> that, that everyone I talk to is like Lauren's wonderful, and I don't know why I'm searching for that. I have some personal. I need to talk to Lauren personally. What was your, well? You've uh, met him, haven't you? Sure, I was. I, he, he made me. I jumped through the hoops to get on the show, and right, and, right. And I had that encounter, right? You know, where it was very awkward. But I, I so I, you're I do, bitter. 
Yeah, no, and I've got a little bit of bitterness. I, I don't know that I could have handled doing the show at the time that uh, I was jumping through those hoops or how I fucked it up, but I think there's part of me that wants to sit down with Lauren again and go, how did I fuck that up and what was going on? Well, he has a, an aura about him that you want to be you want to be in his camp. You know, he has that he, thing yeah, right, that right. makes you want to be under his wing. Yeah, and like and a, if you are under his wing, he he's very good to you. I right. mean, he And he was always, I got to say, I know this isn't what you want to hear, but he was always really nice to me before I ever went there because he was a fan of my dad's. He knew my dad. Um, he he enjoyed uh, late night and and uh, but he was always very supportive of me. And I was I was telling somebody this the other day. I look back on it and I'm amazed. All those guys were Chevy Chase was really supportive of me. Yeah, and really sweet to me and really like you know what you're doing is really funny. Maybe you want to go upstairs, you know, one of these days, meaning to SNL, you know. And I had a couple of opportunities to go there, and uh, I stayed at late night because Dave was giving me my own, you know, format there. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, by the time I went to Saturday Night Live, it was the wrong time for me. I was just, I had done Cabin Boy, I had done Get a Life, I had, you know, I, I wasn't ready to go at that point. I didn't have the eye of the tiger. <laughs> well, you were right, because you thought you were, you were you had already arrived and then you have it was to, it taken has to away be, it from It really you. has to be your first job, I think. It has to be your first job, you have to be hungry, you have to not really know what working on a sit- and your comfort- <laughs> the sitcom schedule's like. Right, and your you confidence know. had been shattered. Um, my confidence bit. was shattered when I went there, um, and I. But I was also, what I realized is that I had established myself as a guy who makes fun of himself whenever he's on television, and right. even if I'm doing an impersonation of Marv Albert or Morton Downey Jr. or Marlon Brando, that's so in it's, you. It's Chris Elliott doing this impersonation, right? And uh, you can't do that on SNL. You have to really, you have to live the the incarnation of whatever well, character you're doing wasn't that an odd, well, who was the it was an odd cast wasn't it like one of those uh, it was a huge cast and it was sort of the last year that uh, Adam Sandler was there Chris Farley David Spade so it was you Garofalo Spade was they still brought there. me and Janine in um, added us to an already large cast that included you know Jay Moore and uh, just oh there's uh, a lot of like those people. A lot of that people. was like that first year where it's like <laughs> just keep you know like where the the right. credits went on forever and featuring and I was amazed that you know uh, even the stars of the show at that point which were Adam <laughs> Sandler and and uh, David Spade and Farley and those guys that there was still sort of a I don't know if competition I guess to get on the air you know well, with that many and people how with that many people you be? have to be but that's something I was not used to because I had my own TV show and my own little spot on Letterman. I was never in competition with so anybody you had to, for anything. You had to line yourself with a writer or write stuff to like try to like. Get and that on. was another thing. I didn't. I didn't want to write anything. I didn't. I thought, well, I wasn't hired as a writer. There's a staff of writers here. Right. I, you know, I'll come up with an idea, but I'm not going to stay here all night working on it. <laughs> and I didn't. You know. Right. I, so I mean, whatever. It was a lackluster year for me there. You only there a year. Only there a year. I was gonna. There was talk of offer to come back and do uh, uh, update bits once a week, right. um, which probably would have been right for me to do. But right. I think at that at that point, I, I was ready to move on. Um, but um, uh, I felt uh, it like it was totally my fault that, oh, I realized I can't do... I can't break the fourth wall like I was always doing at Letterman on, on this show. Was there ever you know? a point where you're like, how come Lauren's not helping me out? No, not really. I, t- I think I probably went up to his office a few times and told him, I think I suck here. I, you know, this is horrible. And he's always very supportive and just saying, no, no, you're doing fine. You know, it's, it's fine. It's a tough thing. And, um, I, I always enjoyed his company. He was, he has great stories. No, yeah, I used I to like to... listen to his stories. I'll tell you one thing about him. I, I first met him years ago 
when I my dad got me an interview when I was like 18 I was working as a tour guide at Rockefeller Center and he got me an interview with Lauren and I was just going to try to be like an extra on Saturday Night right, Live right and I remember he uh the appointment was for like two in the afternoon. I showed up and they sat me in Studio 8H and they said, okay, Lauren will be with you in a little while. And it was like eight hours before I was called up to his yeah, office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I was called up to his office though, I, people just brought me in and sat me down in front of his desk. He was sitting there drinking a tab and uh, the room was filled with people. And, right. and everybody was, somebody was opening a present and everybody was singing happy birthday. Gilda Radner was in the room uh -huh. and Lorraine Newman. Uh -huh. And I sang happy birthday to this person. <laughs> And one thing that's really nerdy, I remember like getting dressed up the way I thought I should look for Saturday Night Live, and, which was my, you know, this stupid 17-year-old kid. My dad had done some commercials for uh, Goodyear. Right. And uh, he, uh, they had given him a Goodyear, uh, uh, bla not a blazer, like a windbreaker. Yeah. So I wore that over like a Hawaiian shirt that I thought, oh, okay, this will... This will be cool. And this will some, pop. Yeah, and yeah. some horrible big baseball cap that was too big for my tiny head. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and, uh, you know, like after, I don't know, literally like a half an hour of just like watching these people talk to each other. Just I just heard Lauren just say, so Chris, what can I do for you? And uh, I just I said, oh, well, I'd like to maybe be an extra on the show sometime. And he said, well, that's no problem. And I went, oh, okay, should I, I go now or... <laughs> And somebody gently got, took my arm and ushered me out of the room again. Did you ever do it? No, no, I never got. You never went back, or I never got called to be an extra on. I was just a kid. I don't, you know, there wasn't a lot of call for that. I guess it's but. so, it's so like kind of cool that yeah. You know, even though your dad is is who he is, that you had all this great comedic talent. So there was, uh, it must have felt good not to like there. It, it opened all these doors, but you could deliver, and you kind of knew that. Well, I didn't know it then. I didn't right. know it then. I mean, I, I honestly fell into, you know, making Dave laugh. I, you know, I had made people laugh, you know, when I was younger and, and so forth. But I, you know, I, I had no, I, I had no game plan. I had no, you know, I didn't map out what it is I do. Oh, I'm going to do this kind of surreal stuff where I'm making fun of myself and doing, you know, that happened naturally. Kind of, that just happened naturally. And that, and that's sort of what people, you know, uh, use you for. I mean, like that, the scene, what was it in the thing about Mary? That was that what the one where you had the facial yeah, rash? Yeah. Jesus. Christ I know I mean, that's very memorable yeah I mean did you did, was that your thing uh I did come up with the rashes I remember when I met with Peter and Bobby fairly I remember saying you know after that script was so funny right I didn't need the it's rashes funny, yeah, I just wanted to add, I wanted to feel like I added something and yeah, I just yeah, said yeah. you know I uh uh, what if I just my rashes? I have rashes, and they get worse and worse as the uh, the. And then Peter, I think, came up with the actual boil on my eye at the end. <laughs> Those guys were were so funny. They were great, and they and and still are. I mean, I don't I don't really I'm not in touch with them, but uh, that was just that movie holds up. You know, you see that movie and Kingpin. You know, I see that movie is oh just like God, really yeah. funny too. Yeah, it is you know, funny. Bill Murray is just yeah, insane. So Did you know him? <laughs> I, you know, that same night that I was waiting for Lauren Michaels, I saw him come in and rehearse, and it was funny because everybody, everybody was waiting for him and looking for him over the PA system there saying, where's Billy, where's Billy, you know, and, and suddenly, and this is my memory of it, and I admit my memory may have changed a little bit, but I remember him, the elevator doors opening and him coming out with two babes on either arm and a bottle of Jack Daniels yeah. in one hand, and he stumbled into the stage walked over to where he had to be and then flawlessly did his little commercial parody uh, or whatever it was, rehearsed it, 
perfectly. That's a good way to remember it. And then stumbled out. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and, and I, that, that was the first time I sort of saw him. Right. And then I saw, then I met him for the first time at Letterman and then at, uh, I, I did it, I auditioned for uh, Scrooge, I remember, and he, he read with me and I met him there. Were you in that movie? No. No, Bob Cat Goldthwaite got the role. Got the role. Yeah. Then I was in... Uh, uh, Groundhog Day with with Bill with Murray and, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then Osmosis Jones and uh, I'm trying to think was there anything else I I can't remember but I knew I was with it's, Brian I had done you know work with his brother quite a bit he's funny too man. yeah he's great he's there's great. It's, it feels like like whenever I hear people talk about that era of us and how like there was definitely like it almost sounds as if there was a party going on all the time and and yeah. and, I, and I and I'd like to think that there was but was there really I mean would, do you remember it well like you know well being, when I was there it was a little more sedate already it wasn't no but I know, mean like, like when like, when you went there in the 70s because I went to I like my dad did the show once you know that he did like this Bob and Ray Lorraine Jane and Gilbert yeah. special right and I do remember even then and I think I was like I don't know 17 when he did that and I remember going up <laughs> upstairs and there was a huge party going on up there and it was odd to see Bob and Ray in the midst of this party <laughs> and even at 17 I knew what was going on behind some in somebody else's office right and was being smoked or, or right. toked or anything or uh, snorted and, and my dad to, it's funny my dad just never knew that you know he just uh, never registered it he just no like, These he kids just are like, having fun yeah he just sort of found that out a few years ago he said i can't believe how they got all that stuff done if they were all stoned it's kind of amazing <laughs> isn't it it is amazing i mean i can't i can't work like that but because i remember going there someone uh, i had gone to camp with his dad was some uh, executive at nbc in some other department and i wanted to meet john belushi mm -hmm. and i think i must have been 14 yeah and i went up to the offices it was all set up i went up with my grandmother right and uh and i waited and then al franken came out and right he had the big sort of jew fro and, and he was just <laughs> giggling he's like yeah john's really busy right now <laughs> <laughs> and i was very disappointed but it right, was but clear. you knew why he was yeah, busy I mean, now i do yeah i yeah. mean who knows if he was even there or awake right, or right. what but yeah. he, he, they sent frank and out yeah he's really busy right yeah now. he can't make it up no I, I think tom davis actually clued my dad into the you know what was going on in those years and my dad was, was he, just really surprised he's still around there isn't he tom davis i mean not he? at snl no, no no was he around when you were there um Tom, no. Uh, uh, Al was there. Was he? Know? Oh, yep. he was And back? I worked with Al a little bit on so some stuff. Funny, you know, man. he's great. He's, he's great. so fucking funny. It's um, like I worked with him on Air America. There's like some part of me that's sort of like, I'm glad he's a senator and everything, but God, he's... Like when he put his mind to it, he was funny. Yeah, no, and he's the he should be a senator, though, because I remember one of the amazing talents that he had is he could draw a a map of the United States and draw the borders between all the states in, Perfectly, that qualifies. He could do it. He could sure. do it on a on a you know a cocktail napkin. Yeah, which was always amazing. Yeah, no, I I think he's a he's a great center. He's a he's a good guy. I I but I always got a kick out of him. He's got a very weird sense of humor. Yeah, too. yeah. But he was a huge fan of my dad's and and uh, you Everyone, know, they all grew like, up with your dad. They did all grow up with them. And and Bill Murray was and you know he Bill Murray introduced them when they did the Bob and Ray Lorraine Gilda and Jane show, which is a hilarious show. I mean that's just a great show. It's the one where you know Bob and Ray like sing if you want my Bob if you think I'm sexy right you know, right and uh, I was at that show I was in the audience with and and, and it's just uh, just so much fun.
It must, did you grow up with all the like black and white pictures of your dad and stars? Yeah, and Ed Sullivan. And all yeah, that, like, my show? mother had a hallway with full of those framed black and whites, which was the thing to do back then sure. in New York. We grew. Yeah. Up, I grew up in a townhouse in New York City, yeah. and and it was the thing to do. You put that stuff up, it's and like you were like I the, used to hours just like staring at. Those right, it's things, like the history you know? of, of modern show business. Yeah. And and there were a lot of photos from his their TV show where you know Audrey Meadows was first on it, and then then Cloris Leachman took over because Audrey went to do the Honeymooners, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, uh, or is it Jane? Which one is did the Honeymooners? Uh, it was uh, was uh, Jane Meadows. Jane Meadows. Yeah. yeah. Were they sisters? They were sisters. Yeah. Oh, I think it was Jane yeah. Meadows. Now yeah. we're, now we're both. Uh, do you ever meet Jackie Gleason? No, I never met Jackie Gleason. Your folks probably your dad um, did, right? I think my dad did. I mean, they're they're. Uh, sphere of friends were more kind of in the literary world to a degree not oh, that yeah? my dad only because i guess that you know it was like uh you know people like art buckwald or henry morgan right, 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 and right. those kind of people you know right, right. kind of dick cavett you know well now okay so your experience at snl was not it, it may have been miserable but you blame yourself for the most part oh absolutely i mean it wasn't it was what it is and that show has always run the same way so it's you know it's the kind of show where some days you have just great days and then other days you just, you know, are, are in the depths of depression. Well, well now that. your daughter's on it. Yeah, and she's experienced that as well. And she's been on it a lot longer than me. This is her fourth season. But, but when she was taking that job, I mean, was there a sit down? Uh, I didn't. There was a, the only thing I said to her was that you don't have to take it. <laughs> That was the only thing. I mean, and which I think is actually the best advice I could have given her is just like, just think it through. You don't have to do this. You can do, you will do other things. There are other opportunities. But of course, I knew she was going to take it. Yeah, she yeah, was yeah. offered the show. Right. She came and auditioned and, and uh, did a really funny audition. And uh, um, I knew, she, you know, that she was going to do it when they offered it to her. And is it, is it, are you excited about that? Oh, my God. Yes. I am proud <laughs> and, and just like blown away. I, but, you know, it does this other thing to you, too, which what? is this time thing. Yeah. Where you feel like, what what is going on that, you know, my kids are kind of doing what I did. And, you know, I'm sort of where my dad was when he was watching me do what... He did. he did, and now he's up there in Maine watching me doing it and them doing it, and it, it's it's just strange to me that it's just happened so quickly. You're you like know? a show business dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you are. Yeah, like, I guess three I generations of funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think so. I mean, I I don't think there are three generations of funny right now. There will be. I mean, I'm sure you know this is going to start a trend. You know, you'll see. Uh, well, what's you your, know, Ben yeah, Stiller's kids out there pretty soon? And you uh, would think. Yeah, and I don't they, know. And they should kids. be. I'm sure they're all going to be funny. And great. They, they're not as old as your kids, though. No, right? no, they're younger. So, you're, how old is Abby? Abby's 24, and Bridie's 21. And, and she's going into comedy too. Bridie does stand up. She does. Uh, she writes in New York. In, in New York, she goes to these. Really, she like in Brooklyn? Kind of, uh, no, you, she's living like in Harlem. She's living like way uptown. Okay, which is so cool. I love where she's living. She's near Columbia. You know, uh -huh. and it's really uh, it's cool. Good. Yeah, yeah. Shares an apartment with um, a really nice guy. Is not romantic, and it's just. Uh, it's, you know, she's living, they both started college, they both did a semester and, and then said, no, sorry, we want to go into show business. And I didn't talk them out of it, you know, but I didn't talk them out of it. What about your wife? Was there any discussion? No, I think we were both like, well, you know, makes it's, sense. It's, it makes sense if they're going to do this and they're either going to get it out of their system and go back to college or, or they're going to make a go of it. Well, so far, they're both, you know, Abby's not going to go back to college. No, no. <laughs> it's not. Happen. No. And, and Bridie isn't either. She's, you know, I mean, they may take classes and all that. And I have been encouraging both of them 
um, you know, keep doing your acting classes or whatever, you know, on, on the side. So you can How's keep. her stand-up? It's really funny. It's really like, you know, she's such a shy, she was such a shy person. Yeah. Abby was always out there. Abby yeah. was always performing. So yeah. we sort of knew, okay, she's going to go into that. Bridie was always, like like I was growing up, really, really shy and, yeah. and did not want, hated audience participation. She nearly killed me once when I, on her like seventh birthday, we went to a Mexican restaurant and I told the maitre d' so he brought a big sombrero and put it on her head and, yeah. and uh, you know that that like humiliation like scarred her she hates that stuff but somehow i think she's you know it's like it's it's like facing your demon it's like yeah. going into a shark cage it's and there's like a she voice wants for that to, yeah there is and she gets up there and she does impersonation she does these sort of funny little stories about you know dating john wayne gacy and just all this stuff and i just i don't know where this is coming from but it's great and it's coming and, and from, it's so, guy, it's from so growing cute. up your daughter well and and but the daughter of john wayne and, gacy. and their mother is funny and all that i mean we we were it's a funny family or a goofy family and what about books? Because the last time I interviewed on Air America, I know you had. I'm trying to remember which book you were. You were. You just. Well, had I had. Out. Yeah, I had two. I had Into Hot Air, and then uh, The Shroud of the Thwacker. It may I have think been that, that was one. It. I've just finished another book. It comes out in October, which is uh, an unauthorized autobiography. So it's kind of as if Kitty Kelly um, wrote a book about herself. Yeah, yeah no, did didn't write one about me, and I wrote it. About oh, I myself. see. Okay, so it's an yeah. unauthorized autobiography. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So I'm just making up a lot of crap about myself. And you like the, you it's, like it's you, sort of a, a little emphasis on the uh, romantic and sexual proclivity side. So, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Swite, yeah, slightly exaggerated. Well, I mean, I do say I had an affair with Shelley Winters, and there's some thing reason to back that up, but. Uh, <laughs> It's pretty much exaggerated, yeah. So what? What all in all was? Uh, I mean, since like you, you seem to have, like you do a lot of character work, and you show up a lot of TV shows, you've been in a lot of movies. But I mean, what was really the most uh, you know, rewarding part of the show business career up to this point? And I don't ask that to many people. It seems like a hackneyed interview question. But well, I, my answer is going to be hackneyed, and I honestly, it's. Well, I'll give you two answers. But the one thing is fans. Fan, and, and it does sound like sort of sappy for me. But I, I was never really, I don't think, good uh, in terms of, of keeping up with my fans. I'm certainly not now in terms of being on Twitter or whatever. Right. But they've stuck with me all these years. Um, so that's that's very gratifying. And some of them have changed the face of television on some level. Yeah, I well, imagine... the people that have gone into it yeah. that have been influenced by me or my father, you know, that that means a lot to me. But yeah. I, I'm just talking about the hardcore fans that sure. are looking forward to season two of Eagle Heart right. that, you know, are, remember Get Alive, that, that love Cabin Boy. That and honestly, what we were just talking about, seeing my daughters go into it and uh, know, being successful, being successful, and knowing that oh, I know what they're feeling right now. You know, it works both ways. If something isn't going well, I know what they're feeling then too. The good thing about them, and it's the same, it was the same way with me growing up, is that they they saw the ups and downs with me in my career, and I saw it with my dad. And uh, my dad made an attempt just to. Th leave that stuff in at the gray bar building and show business was just a job and i tried to do that too and we did try to make like okay that's dad has to go to la and do this show but right it wasn't a huge deal we didn't make a big deal out of it and uh you weren't running around the house going i'm fucked 
I'm fucked. No, no. I mean, I, I do feel that way <laughs> quite often around the house. But like your but... dad, you felt that he struggled as well? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I know he did. I know, you know, there were times financially and, and also just in career times where, oh, yeah, the phone wasn't ringing too. But he always went into the office. He always sat down and, and he may have been painting. He likes to paint. He may have been doing something else than writing. But something always seemed to come along. I'm a lot like him in the sense that I never had the desire to have something ready to go as soon as something else ends. Right. I, I just, I can't concentrate on more than one thing at a time. Right. And so I can't, it's really hard, even now doing press, it's really hard for me to think, okay, I'm going to talk to Mark, then I'm doing Conan tomorrow night, but I got to think of something, you know, a bit to do on Conan. Right. At the same time. This is this is actually really nice right now, because I'm not like in the car, like going, okay, what am I going to do? Nah, yeah, do? we don't need bits here. Did you? No, did I knew you, that. Did you Believe me. Up, <laughs> did, you come, did you come up with a bit for Conan? I think I have a couple of things. I'm yeah, yeah. I, who, who are you working with over there? Do you ever work with Frank Smiley over there? Well, usually, yeah, but Daniel. He's the best. He's like, what do you got? Yeah, yeah. And then, like, you tell Frank what you got, and he's like, yeah, what else you got? Yeah. And yeah, then I, you were just waiting for him to go, oh, ah, yeah. funny. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> Daniel's a little easier. Daniel's a little easier. He sort of laughs when you're talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. About, but, uh, sounds great. Uh, I think, I, I don't know. I think I'm going to talk about my plastic surgery. Yeah, you had a lot. Finally, reveal it. No yeah. oh, good. Yeah, yeah. No oh, good. That sounds exciting. Sure. But did you, was there a point where, like, the one thing I know when when young comics talk to me or they, because you know, like, I I pounded my head against the wall for twenty five years and now like I've had some success here in my garage and people finally know me a little more. But like, it's a heartbreaking fucking profession and there's no way around it really. That you know the risk of doing show business, it, it you're risking you know heartbreak. Well, it always was a heartbreaking business. It is way worse now with the internet, right? especially if you're young and you're just starting out and you do a couple of things or you make a couple of missteps or whatever. I mean, the internet can be pretty brutal. And you never said that to your daughter, like, you know, it's a rough, you know, it can be. I'm not even sure I knew that when right. Abby started at SNL. Right. I'm not sure I knew what kind of, you know things would be said i mean she also gets a lot of really beautiful lovely things publicly right yeah there's a lot of like you know gossip nepotism or whatever being you know and then gossip and that kind of stuff but uh um that wasn't around when i was around i did you know okay yeah maybe there'd be something on page six every now and then or there'd be something snarky here and there but but usually it was only dealing with a a a very high level of of celebrity yeah exactly and now like anything anybody is right right attackable yeah like exactly. The, the culture has gotten so big. There's no real separation. Yeah. Like, it used to be just sort of like, wow, the celebrities, you never knew anything about. That was where the sordid details would right, come out. Right, right. But now it's like anybody's a target. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, <clears throat> on the one hand, it's great for people starting out in the business because there's so many venues to right. try out stuff or to have shows or whatever. Uh, on the other hand, it, that that sort of openness is like, I mean, it's it's like the the every actor's nightmare i think or every comedic comic. did she talk to you about it um there are times when she'll she'll say stuff about it and you know uh, what can you say you just say don't well, you can't look yeah. at that you know what those Ride people are you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly it's what we said when they were playing softball it's yeah. just you know shake it off you know shake <laughs> it off <laughs> good eye good eye <laughs> <laughs> get under it <laughs> So you you all get along and it's uh, you know you're all yeah I mean it's weird that we're empty my wife and I are empty nesters we bought this house in Connecticut and moved into it a couple of years ago and uh, 
thinking that we still had <laughs> like uh, probably five or six years with the girls because they'll be going to college and right, coming right. back and so forth. And oh. They said forget to forget college, move to New York, and suddenly <laughs> we're alone. Well, but you're close to, you know, like, what are you, an hour away? Actually, we're like two hours away, which is a little bit of a pain. Um, we used to live an hour away. Do they come up? They come up, yeah. But I mean, Abby's schedule is pretty tough, and yeah. and uh, we have a cabin up in Maine, and and that's the place that they were at when they were really little. So, and it's right next door to my dad. So they come up, they go up there more often. Well, cool. It's great to see you, Chris. Good to talk, Mark. It was so nice uh, for you to have me, and great to see you again. Right on. All right, that's our show. I hope you enjoyed that. What a lovely man, a lovely, funny man, a man with a history, Chris Elliott. Hope you enjoy his show. As I said, it's on uh, tonight at midnight on Adult Swim. That's Eagle Heart. You can always go to adultswim.com for the schedule and some more details. I'm glad he was here and that we were able to sync these things up. Doesn't always happen that way. As always, go to wtfpod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Hey, if you don't have the shirt, get a shirt, get a poster. Get on that mailing list. Make a donation. Go check out who's been on the show as opposed to tweeting me, asking me to put people on the show. There's an episode guide there. Okay? Go get my record. I worked hard on it. Oh, God. I'm on this diet again. That uh, four-hour body thing. So many beans. So gassy. Is that too much information? All right, I got to, yeah, I'm not going to do that on mic.